What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, as you all probably know. And today we got on Tyler Geiger. Tyler it runs the Montana Knox podcast. So if you haven't ever heard of that, first of all, go check out Montana Knox. Um, it is for the current and aspiring Western hunter. So if you're out there and you've been out there for five years or you've only been out there, this is your first time going this fall, check that out or you're looking to do it next year, check out check out Tyler's podcast. Uh, it's really good. I've listened to a couple episodes on it and they definitely dive into like new topics, but also advanced topics. And, uh, and I'll really help you like if you're trying to like figure that landscape out. All right. So go check them out. And before we roll into the podcast with Tyler, I just want to give a brief shout out to uh, partners of the podcast, which would be Onyx Maps, GPS, Private Land, Public Land Boundaries, Waypoints. Uh, first, the biggest thing that I use it for is uh, is offline usage. I actually sitting down with my barber today. Guy I've had two times. His name is Javin. It's J-A-V-I-N. And I walked in there. And this is like a, a barber shop, right? First time into the barber shop, Tyler, like a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, hey, I got an appointment with, uh, I believe it's Gavin. And all these people looked at me and just started laughing their ass off. Yeah, yeah, Gavin. And every, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm the butt of the joke, but nobody knows. Like, I don't know shit. <laughs> but his name is Javin and he spells it J-A-V-I-N. But uh, sitting there talking to him, and he was, he's going out West and, uh, and he's got all these questions for me. He's a big dog trainer, his daughter dog trains, and that's all they do is run trials and, and all that jazz. But I told him, I was like, Hey, I actually have this podcast tonight with this guy, Tyler, check out his podcast. And I'm going to post this on Monday. So, and then he pulls out his Onyx and he's like, yeah, dude, I got all these downloaded for offline. And he starts showing me all his waypoints and stuff. And like in the middle of cutting my hair, it took me an hour. I have a buzz cut. Like it's a, it's a one and a two. It took him an hour to give me a buzz cut. Cause he was showing me so many waypoints. <laughs> it was great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we rolled into that. So go check out Onyx. If, if you haven't checked them out, check out Venado. Um, they make fantastic lifestyle apparel, Mitch Huffman over there who runs that awesome dude, really nice guy. Um, Venado shop Venado is, I believe their Instagram handle. And last but not least vector custom shop you guys are still looking for arrows like if you don't have your arrows yet order these arrow order your arrows like now because september is going to roll around before you know it in wisconsin that's when season opens or if you're in the dakotas or anything you're early september late august you're going out west you might even be late august get your arrows in right meow because they're going to be sold out or they're not going to have them or you're going to be late and you're not going to be tuned up and your arrow broadheads are going to fly ridiculously wonky Go check them out. Vector Custom Shop. Check out the arrows. They'll hook you up. It's a great system. So with that, let's jump in to, to the podcast. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing, man? I appreciate you having me on. And uh, it's a long time coming. I'm glad we could finally link it together. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. I know. I was trying to figure out a good a good timing for the, for the Western podcast to kick in. Cause we always kind of do one around this time. Cause you know, we're uh, a lot of the listeners here are Midwestern. A lot of them are out of Wisconsin, but certainly some in uh, Illinois uh, got a lot in Pennsylvania, actually Michigan. Um, it's funny the most uh, I know you're from Michigan originally, but the most 
populated and highest pressure states seem to listen to the most podcasts. So like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, those are, and then Minnesota is kind of a, a third. Um, Ohio is that little sleeper state that people don't know so much about, but uh, Jake Bush is really cracking open Ohio for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it seems like the the states with the most pressure and the people who bitch the most are the people who listen to the most podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, man. Speaking of Jake Bush, I don't know him at all, but I follow him. And if you don't follow that kid, you need to follow him because he is an encyclopedia, man. Dude, yeah, he puts in, he puts in the, I mean, you talk about guys who put in the 110%, he puts in 110% and he's got a, he's got a kid now too. And I was talking to him the other day. He's like, yeah, it's slowing me down, but you find ways. <laughs> if, it's in, if it's important to you, man, you're going to find a way. And that's with, that's with anything. You don't have to be just hunting. It could be whatever you're into. So yeah, there's always a way. We talked a little bit about it uh, before you hit record. Uh, there's always a way. It's just that passion. Yeah, exactly. And, and what we were talking about is like certain people. Um, and if you're one of these people uh, listening to this, like, take a second to think about it but there's people who who told me oh man you have kids hunting's gonna stop man it's gonna slow way down you know you ain't gonna be able to do these fun trips all the time you ain't gonna be able to go spend all this money on hunting clothes and gear and all that life is what you make it i spend more money now on hunting clothes and gear and trips than i did before i had kids <laughs> you just gotta right? go ahead go ahead uh, i was gonna say i I, I switch jobs and make a little bit more money now, which helps with the money thing and spending money on gear. But at the same time, like there's a, there's like this, this aspect ratio. It seems like people who have a shit ton of time to spend in the woods don't have a shit ton of money. And people who have a shit ton of money don't have any time to spend in the woods. It's like this, like, uh, I don't know if you like this graph, this cross graph, right? And you want to be right in the middle where you have a good amount of money and you spend a good amount of time in the woods. Yeah. And uh and I feel like I'm I'm on the lighter side of that with the good amount of money with kids and less time in the woods. But once the kids get older, you know, they're three years and one year old, they're they're pretty needy. Um, once they get older, it'll kind of reverse a little bit. But uh I feel like that is one of the reasons why you start buying like the high quality gear. Like you see all these guys who hunt like three times a year only with guides and they have everything that Sidka's ever made. Right. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And you're like, dude, you don't even like go that often. Mm -hmm. But I feel like with those people, the, uh, the thing that they do is I don't go that often, but when I go, I want to have the best shit possible because I can afford it. Right. And hopefully that makes me more successful. Right. I found that that's really not true <laughs> you can have really nice shit like like i have i have a whole bunch of first light stuff i have a brand new matthews v3 x vrx i can't even remember what it's called it's one something like that i have lone wolf custom gear stand um I have Onyx. I I have like Schnee's $400 Schnee's boots. I have all the nice shit, but I don't, it hasn't killed me more deer. The thing and that it, kills it never more, will. Right. And mm -hmm. it won't, it won't, it really won't. Um, you're absolutely right. 
the thing that that kills more deer is strategy and time yeah, right time time man yeah. time dedication you don't deserve anything you got to go out and earn it and that's in yeah. all aspects of life brother so Mm-hmm. yeah i mean you can have the best gear in the world you can have the coolest camo of course you know i got good stuff too but you know that wind switches on you one time or you're not or you don't know how what what a thermal is um i don't care how good you look you ain't gonna see nothing <laughs> let alone kill anything right you're just gonna hear them running away mm-hmm. if that sometimes they mm-hmm. just get the fuck out of there and you don't even know i am amazed every single year when i go out west and elk run away from me i know they're there like i see them and then i'll drop in or i'll hear them like bugling or mewing or whatever i'll drop in the window switch and they'll just disappear and i won't even hear them i'm like you're, you're there's like nine horses running through the woods how am i not hearing you yep. and they just like dip out of there like nothing yeah. And then, and then when you do see them, you think you can chase after them. Let me, te- <laughs> let me tell you something. You can't, we, we both, we both do a lot of running and we can't even come close. They cover a lot of ground. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely no, no way. I remember. Um, so, and this is a great lead in because, you know, the thing that's like, uh, what we wanted to talk about today is, is, um, if you are going out West, either you're chasing newlies, you're chasing elk, maybe you're chasing whitetails, maybe you're chasing pronghorn, whatever it is. We kind of wanted to cover the general basics of, of going out West, what you guys should look for, what is an absolute necessity versus what people tell you is a necessity, but maybe is more auxiliary. And then the, the auxiliary nice to haves, like if you're on your third or fourth trip, like, well, actually this is kind of nice to have, right? Like, um, you can get by without a, depending on your type of hunt, you can get by without a uh, jet boil. Like you don't have to have a jet boil, but people kind of put it on their list. Like I need to buy a jet boil every time mm-hmm. they go. Right. And mm-hmm. that's like one thing I always see. It's like, well, how are you making your food? Well, we have us, we have a camp stove in a wall tent and uh, we, we set a, you know, our go-to for, for us is we literally like pre-make a lasagna yeah, you, you freeze it, you know, whatever a week before. So it's rock solid. You take it out day four, you set it on top of the camp stove, let it thaw over the course of an hour, and then you eat it. Like that's kind of like what we do. And so a jet boil, not necessary unless you're like trying to do overnight stuff. Right. So anyway, that's that's what we wanted to cover in the podcast today. Um, it's just kind of that out western style hunting stuff and things. It's my life, man. Whatever you want to know, I'll do my best. I told you if I didn't know, I will, uh, I'll shoot you straight. So awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what we're looking to get into today. And then aside from that, is there anything else we wanted to, wanted to cover? Otherwise I'm going to start asking you questions about things. No, you just start. And then, um, I've listened to a few, a few of your episodes and we'll just roll with it, man. Okay. So see where it takes us. Yeah. Sounds great. So, um, I guess the first thing, like if we're, we're looking out West, um, some of the things that like the first thing you have to do is obviously get a license, right? Yep. And there's all sorts of over the counter opportunities versus point opportunities. And some people get confused in that. Can you describe that whole scenario and how it works? Because just as it will actually give your background first and then like your uh, living situation background. Yeah. So that people can understand where your point of view, where you come from. 
Yeah, man. So like probably most of your listeners, I grew up in the, in the Midwest. I'm from Michigan, uh, spent most of my young adulthood there, grew up hunting with my dad, probably like, again, most of your listeners, um, kind of straight away from bow hunting. Once I got into high school and college, just didn't really have time. I also don't think I had the patience. Um, I wasn't mature enough to really appreciate the outdoors and the solitude and the no phone and you know, probably wasn't even mature enough to have enough respect for the animal after it was killed. Um, so then I did something just called to me, man. I was probably a sophomore in college and I was like, you know, I need to get back into this, man. Like my dad still hunts and a lot of my friends hunted and I would always still watch hunting videos. And so I asked my dad, Hey, will you go half on a boat with me? And he said, sure. So that was probably a good 10 or 12 years ago. And from then on out, man, I've just been just hooked on archery and hooked on bow hunting. Um, it, you ask my wife, that's like all I talk about. So, but yeah, other than that, man, I'm a, I'm a bow hunter. Um, I'm LEO here in Montana. I'm a husband. I'm a miniature Dotson dad, proud father of <laughs> proud father of two, um, which you'll probably hear bark here at some point during this podcast, but that's okay. Neither here nor there. Um, I do a lot of, I do a lot of running, even though I don't, really enjoy that it's just something that i think needs to be done uh, i've done quite a few ultra marathons uh stay steady in the gym and yeah it just keeps me sharp mentally and um i always think man if i can if i can run these mountains i damn sure can hike up them so that's kind of my philosophy in terms of in terms of my training but and yeah. also hold on i gotta ask you about the so I ran a marathon this year for anybody listening or longtime listeners. You probably knew that I ran a, my first marathon this year. It took me about just over four hours, four hours, eight minutes. Um, I hated it. Like literally ran past a dude who was like walking. I was run walking at one point. It was like mile 19 kind of fucked with me. Um, looked at him. He looked at me. I said, this shit sucks. Don't it? He said, you got that right, brother. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but you know, you, you finish and whatever you're, you're done. Um, ultra marathon is anything over 26 and a half, right? 26.2. Yep. Anything so over you, that. Have you done like, cause I, th I feel like people think that the only way an ultra is, is a hundred, right. Or a hundred or more or something like that. Have you done a hundred or are you like in like the thirties or the forties or what's your longest run? Yeah. So a hundred is basically the, the pinnacle of, of ultra running. Don't get me wrong. There's some two hundreds out there, but, um, that's borderline insanity. Uh, but a hundred is kind of the pinnacle. Uh, I started running in the spring of 19, kind of like you, I feel like it might be a similar story. I was like, I, I want to, this seems impossible. I want to try to do a marathon. Sure. Um, so I did that and your time was better than my first one, um, by about a good 40 minutes. And of course I was like, man, this, this fucking blows. And then two weeks later, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something else. I gotta do it again. So I've ran a handful of 50 Ks. Those are like 31 and some change. Uh, I've ran a 50 miler. I've ran a 108 K, which is like 68. And then I did a last man standing, um, a few months ago and I ended up getting 68 miles again there. Um, but yeah, I think a hundred, I think a hundred for me is gonna hopefully be on the docket for early next year because i'm going into like elk and mule deer uh type cardio shape 
which isn't like a whole lot of running miles. It's more hiking miles. So after yeah. the season winds down this year, we'll, we'll amp it up if it gets uh, above five degrees here and uh, start training for that hundred. So <laughs> above five degrees, <laughs> I thought I was living. I mean, I thought I was living in Wisconsin. Like, so I had my marathon at the beginning of June. Cause I guess there are marathons in June and then late July and, and mid August and late July and mid August is usually in like the 85s for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I like, I just don't, I don't like heat. Like my body is not interested in anything over like 75. So I picked the, the June, the like early June, I think that's when it was. If anybody's listening, it's the Green Bay Cellcom Marathon. I forget. I think it was early June, maybe late May. And I, uh, yeah, pretty sure that's when it was. But I, I was training like in February and March. It was still like mornings were like 10, 10 yep. to 20 degrees out. And you're like, oh, this is going to suck. You know, you get a 40, 50 degree day. You're like, yes, I'm running like trying to do 15 today or I'm trying to do 17 or 18 or something. But, uh, no, I mean, hands hats off to you on that. Cause I, uh, I, I played soccer my whole life. Um, and it's just kind of one of those, always, uh, those arrogance things that you have or cockiness when you mm-hmm. play soccer, you're like, fuck, I could run a marathon, but I don't want to do that. No one wants to fucking do that, but I could, if I wanted to. So then I eventually just like, was like, well, if I could, if I wanted to, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Kind of looked no at doubt. myself in the mirror. was like, all right let's fucking run it. And we did. And, and I don't, I, I didn't want to do it again right away. And then I wanted to do it again. And then I just like flat out. I just like, I would wake up during training for that. Like I'd train probably four days a week, maybe five days a week. And, um, it was run two hours or run in like an hour before essentially light, like at that time of the year, like you'd run an hour, you'd put in like, which would be like five, six miles, put that in before kids get up. Then you put the kids up. Then you go to, uh, then you go to work for the day till four or five o'clock. Then you get off. Then you hang out with the kids, hang out with the wife until about seven, seven thirty. Then you either got a podcast or you're out the door and you're running again for another hour and a half to two hours. You get back, you shower, you go to bed, you wake up pretty much do it again. Like that was like the schedule. And I was, And the thing that I just didn't like about it was I like had to shuck like anything else that I wanted to do, like even like shoot my bow, really. Like I was just like, not ain't got time. I I don't have, I can spend 30 minutes shooting my bow or I can spend 30 minutes running. Like I'm running, you know? So that was the only thing that, that got me, but damn dude, proud. Like the hats off to you running, (laughs) running fifties and 68s and 31s. Like that's pretty damn good, man. Appreciate that. Thank you, man. It uh, it gets, uh, it doesn't ever really get easier. I was gonna say it gets easier, but <laughs> it, it it doesn't, dude. There's nothing. There's sucks. nothing. I've been on the record on a million of my episodes and other things that I've done, and I just I don't like running at all. Like there ain't <laughs> nothing fun about it. Um, is there a runner's high? Maybe, but I ain't really ever had. But probably like two of those times, and uh but it, it needs to be done and it needs to be done because I say it needs to be done. So that's what it is. Yep. No, that's, that's fair, man. That's fair. Does the, there's like a wall when you're running a marathon, there's like a wall that your legs kind of hit and mentally and, and physically. Um, 
for me, it was right around mile 17. And a lot of people say it's around like mile 20. So maybe I'm a little bit more of a, a bitch in that sense. But does that ever go away? Like, can you just run a marathon, right? Then maybe not right now, but when you're training, like, can you just run a marathon? Like, yeah, I'll go do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had that too. I had that too on my first one. It was like, it was like between 18 and 21 and that's kind of where you get your money's worth, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it does go away. I, I couldn't tell you how many marathons I've ran just in, in training. Um, but it, it goes away, especially when you're kind of running more for time and not miles. Um, mm. it, it does go away, but again, man, I run, I run seven miles a day, every day. And people are probably like, no, he doesn't go. I'm on Strava. So <laughs> y'all have my name. It's, what's is what's Strava? Is that a, it, it, it's Strava. It's like a running app, just like your Garmin or whatever, all your runs oh, okay. upload, upload to that. But it does get, it does get easier in that sense. Um, in terms of like that wall, just because your cardio builds up um, yeah. so much and your legs are used to that pounding and, and that stuff. So. Sure. Okay. So sorry, side side detour. We can maybe we can continue that offline later. But I'm I'm interested in that because I I feel like I am gonna run another marathon next year. Yeah, um, you should. I enjoyed following your journey, man. I was always hitting you up like hell yeah, and you're you had some good paced runs too. So I love people. I can do yeah after it, man. I can do short. I can do short shit. Pretty pretty decent. Like if I'm doing like I can do four miles in 28 minutes. So that's a seven minute mile for. That's pretty good for me. That's um, excellent. That's better than me, dude. Yeah, but like, well, thank you. Appreciate that. And I, th- I thought like after that, my next, at my next uh, adventure, which I never like fully manifested. I never like told myself I was gonna do it. But I was like, I'm gonna run a five minute mile, because um, I can run. I can walk out my door tomorrow and run a six, a sixer. And I have never, I've never tried to do a five. Never like. And half the time, honest to God, if I run it in the morning, I just have to shit. Like <laughs> I've yeah. coffee before, dude. I've been there. I've been looking in lawns before. <laughs> yeah. I have. I'm like, what child oh, am yeah. I about to fuck up? I'm serious. I know. No shit. Like, all right. Is this that little like a little alley between that house? That I can right, right. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, dude, the uh that's that's always that that's always the hard part because you push your body so hard that your body's like oh this is what we're doing we need to be done yes. yep. <laughs> um but uh but yeah so i made but that pace like that i i felt like i could always run like an eight minute mile for freaking ever and i ran an eight minute mile i was in that race i was in 90th place um at mile 16. And I ended up at like 135 or something like that. Um, because I just hit that, I hit that wall at like 17 and people were passing me up, but I was running an eight minute mile up to f- mile 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that's excellent, man. Yeah. And then I really like good. look at, I, and I've always been interested in Cam Haynes is like mile times. Like that dude runs obviously a ton. I'm like, yeah, but how fast is he? And he he's posted. Running, one of his, he's running fast dog. Oh, dude. He's like you, he, yeah, he's running, he's running fast, like in some of his videos and stuff that he posts. I'm like, ah, he probably just sped up for that mile or something like that. And you look at his, yeah, he posted one of his marathon times and it was a, a 636 mile. And I was like, for a full freaking mile or for a full marathon, that yeah. is yeah, outstanding. Dude. Yeah. Right? Dude's cruising. Um, 
but yeah, I did. Uh, that's just proof in the pudding there. Like that dude is, is crushing it. Um, obviously. Um, anyway. Okay. So I interrupted that, that whole side segment there, but the, your, your background, right. You said you were saying you were going into, um, from Michigan, went to, went to, uh, Nashville or Ohio, both of those, and then came out to Montana. And then we were jumping into the, the points first over the counter thing. Yeah. So I, I've told this story a, a couple of times and before I knew that I, we were going to move to Montana, it was a conversation. There was some hoops that needed to be jumped through and with job opportunities and stuff, I decided that I was going to apply for a general elk tag in Montana last year as a non-resident because it is no longer over the counter. You can't buy over the counter bull tags deer tags, antelope, nothing. You have to either apply and hope that you get it and front the money. And if you don't, they'll send you a check back. And then obviously, if you do want to do that in the future, buy your point um, for 50 bucks or whatever it is. And obviously, for those who, do, who don't know, the more points you have in a specific area or a state, the better chances you have at drawing that. So it's just more names in the hat. Um, so obviously I didn't get that tag and got refunded my $1,200 because it is not cheap to come out here and hunt as a non-resident. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the best thing that could happen to me because I ended up moving out here and you have to live here for six months to be a resident, to get resident tags. And that kind of ran right into like November. But if I'd have got that tag, man, I wouldn't have had any idea what the hell I was doing in the elk woods. No idea. No idea. So if you want to come out West, um, specifically Montana, you might get lucky. My dad's from Michigan. He drew a non-resident deer tag cost him seven fifty, but, uh, he came out here and got that done. Um, but you can also buy points and accumulate points to try to get out here in a, in a few years. So that's kind of how the, um, states that aren't over the counter work. Got it. Yeah. And the, when you buy points, it doesn't make the tag cheaper at all. Right? It, does, could, not, it but, does not make the tag cheaper, brother. Right. No. Yeah, yeah. So you can get five points and the tag for out of state muley is still going to be seven fifty. It might even yeah. be more five years later when you actually like draw it. Right. Right. Like it's, the prices are not going down. Yeah. And I, I actually, I had a note in my phone uh, not too long ago from a conversation that I had with people at fish and game. That's another thing, man. There's so much information and there's so many different outlets to get your information on the internet that a lot of it isn't all the same. So you don't necessarily know what to believe sometimes. So call that, uh, FWP in whatever state that is and try to talk to a human. Uh, like it's kind of like calling a bank. It takes a little while. You got to go through a bunch of hoops, but eventually somebody will answer, but I had this down. This might be applicable for, for you guys, but um, you can't have more than three points at a time. So you can have a maximum of three points. And if you miss a year of buying that point, you lose your points. So if you want to commit to it, commit to it and know that probably on that third year, you you'll probably, um, end up getting it done. So that new dude, I don't even know if it's true. That's just what they told me at fish and game. I'm telling you, every conversation that you have with these people is different. Susie might say one thing. John might say another thing. 
and you cross-reference it with things online and it's just it's just a giant hoop man just hoops and hoops and hoops let me because i might have three points in montana and that could have been for residence dude this was i talked to her like shit six months ago um but moral of the story is just try to talk to somebody and then verify it via another employee right no okay hold on let me pull up my western i got i got this yeah montana i'm at two i'm at two for elk so this so i'll this year would be my third so then you're saying i essentially have to have to go next year at this point you definitely yeah next time you're able to buy a point you need to buy one because so i gotta I hate yeah. to see you lose I'd hate to see you lose your points. It, that's just what I was told, man. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> no, no, no. Because because this is like this is like what they call the point game, man. The mm-hmm. point game and across these states and everything. You have to like understand this and what you're getting into, how you're like you really got to plan this shit out. Um you do. Because yeah, I mean, I go every other year. And if next like this is throwing a wrench into my plans, theoretically, um, maybe there's a way around it or something, but like I have. I, if I get that uh, Montana point this year for three, that'd be my, my my max three, and then I would have to go next year, or maybe I can buy another point. It doesn't increase my odds, but it keeps my three my third three points, and then I can go the following year. I don't know. I'll have to figure this out. But no, that's a great a great point. And and Montana and Wyoming, every time every state you apply for has different openings for preference points when you have to apply when you can buy them what they mean even what they're called are different yes so yeah a good thing to stay up on for that i think there's an account called you might have heard of this it might be called hunt reminder yeah you heard of that follow them follow them and they keep you up to date on everything and you will not miss a deadline i mean they post about freaking Canadian geese. Like they post about everything. So um, you'll right. definitely know when everything opens for, for sure. Big game in the uh, Western States. They're, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. So, and with that, like with that whole, like everybody listening, you're hearing that chaos that's going on. Like I had no idea that was, that was not a thing when I started applying in Montana. Nope. Cause I, in my mind, I needed five points in Montana to draw a decent unit. And at that point, like I have a couple more years here and then I was going to start talking to my buddies, like, Hey, who's out there. I was going to pick up a guide. I was going to figure something out. Um, but now if that's the case, now I need to like figure that out. But that's one of the reasons why over the counter in other States is so much like just friendlier to a Midwestern person, right? hundred percent all whitetail tags are pretty much over the counter except for Iowa. Everything else, yep. like you walk into the store, you walk into the gas station or Cabela's or whatever, you buy a tag, right? Out West, it's just not that way, except for some states. So like Colorado still has over the counter units where you can go to Colorado and there's, I don't know, 15 to 20 units where there are just literally, you can buy a tag for them at Walmart down the road and then you can go hunt. You can go hunt elk, you can go hunt deer. And not every unit that if you, if it's over the counter for elk, it's, it might not be over the counter for mule deer and maybe it's over the counter for elk archery, but it's a draw or an application for muzzleloader and it's a draw or application for rifle, or maybe it's vice versa. Like there's all these different things, all sorts of shit you got to look into. Um, And so I think the first place to start is really just like, 
if you want to go west, what states offer over the counter and where can you go to and within that state, what units can you go to and then start like based on that, like just as Colorado is an example, based on the 18 units, let's say that are over the counter, you kind of look at them satellite and honest to God, throw a freaking dart at the board, pick one, go to it. <laughs> like that's all like no one, you're not going to be like, Hey man, you're not going to call a fishing game and be like, Hey, so there's a good spot. At, yeah. I'm looking yeah. at yeah. unit two, two, four. Um, how is that unit? Yeah. Well, it's good. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. You know, so like you really got to just throw a dart at the board and, and go give it a shot. But there's even rumors that Colorado within a few years is going to do away with over the counter because there's so many more hunters going out there that like the tag, the tag sales are just, are just over overbearing for the population. However, the success rate is still staying extremely low, like three to 5%, you know, and a lot of these over the counter units. So there's, you know, there were, let's just say a couple of years, like 10 years ago, there were a thousand hunters out there and they were killing 10 bulls a year. That's a, what a 1% success rate. And now um, there's 10,000 hunters out there and they're still only, they're only killing, you know, a hundred bulls still mm -hmm. 1% success rate. So like, but the number of bulls being taken out of that territory or that unit are higher. There's all sorts of numbers that they play and they reevaluate that every year. And that's why you get these rule changes. Yeah. Just for, um, just for perspective for those guys that want to, uh, that might live in the Midwest that want to come out and do some elk hunting and you want to DIY it, you want to come out here and be like, yeah, I'll be able to figure it out. I'm telling you right now, if you have a seven day hunt planned, you're probably going to hunt five of those days, um, with travel and stuff. If you get into elk, if you locate elk one out of those five days, you crushed, you crushed, man. It's not easy to find elk. It's not like whitetail when you're driving down the road. Oh yeah. There's an ag field. There's 20 head of whitetails. It's not like that, man. They are tough animals to locate. Yeah. Let alone kill. A hundred percent. Dude, I, you know, I've been, I've elk hunted four times. One, two, three. Yeah. One, two, three, four. And every year it's, it was the same thing. Like I don't even, I can't even get an opportunity because I can't even find them. That's the like, battle. That's, that's the hardest part. And that's why running and being in shape and looking, the thing that you do is you walk out there. I talked about this with my barber as well. You walk out there and you look at some giant ass mountain in the distance and you're like, that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. Dude, I, I'll never make it there. But then as long as you put one foot in front of the other, you, if it's four hours later, if it's seven hours later, doesn't matter. At some point you're there and you're looking back and you're like, holy shit, we came all this way. And there's yep. still not elk here. <laughs> yep. And if you ain't got a camp on your back, guess what, buddy? You're walking all the way back to the truck. Yeah. For, for an example, for everybody, we put on just over a hundred miles before we located elk last year. Think about that. That's on foot, dude. No side by sides, no trucks. A hundred miles on the boots until we located elk. But I will tell you. When we, when we got into them, we got into them and we got into them heavy. 
real heavy. So it was worth it. You just like how we started this thing, man. If it's important to you, you're going to find a way. Yep. No, I, I agree. And, and that's what makes the reward so sweet, right? Is you, as you put all this effort in and, and, you know, it just all magically comes together. Shit. Two years ago, I, I did kill, I killed a nice four by four, um, which for me was phenomenal. Like my buddy asked me, he's like, dude, I heard your bow go off. I heard the hit. Like, did you kill him? What was it? I go, I don't know. It was legal. <laughs> like that's all yeah. I said. I was like, yeah. I don't know. It was yeah. big and it was legal. I that's knew the, it had at least. That's the reality of it, dude. Yeah. That That's the reality of it. Um, and like, you, like you said, man, it's so rewarding. It's like anything like back to running super quick, crossing the finish line was great on your first marathon. Right. Yeah. But the cool part about that was every morning you got up, you're like, damn, I don't want to do this, but you went and did it. You came home, kissed the kids, kissed the wife, went out in the dark, got another two hours in. That's the shit. When you look back after you complete something that you remember killings, fun, right. crossing the finish lines, fun. But the important shit is the work that led up to that. Cause that stuff doesn't happen unless you get up in those mornings or you stay up late and you get that work in, or you hike that hundred miles before you find the elk. Like that's the shit that matters. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. Like, and that's why I think that's what keeps everybody going out there. It's they're so elusive and they're so difficult. It's uh, it's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's a different type of fun and some people it just doesn't work. Like I, I did have one, one friend that I heard a story of he, they went for a two week hunt and he just at day nine, he was like, fuck it. Like I'm, I'm done, dude. I'm just going to hang out in camp. I'm going to eat my bonbons, make a fire. I'm just going to relax for the next four days and just camp. I'll go trout fishing. This shit's just ridiculous, you know, but next year he was back and he, he was like, he regretted it. And he told people, he uh, told the guys he was with, he's like, I'm sorry. I was that way last year. Won't happen again. Like I just lost it mentally just broke, broke me. Not going to happen again. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's one of those things. And he, there was a guy who killed an elk on that trip and he still went out and helped packed it. Like yep. he was like, no, I'll go help you pack. Like, I just, I don't, these fucking things, I don't want to chase them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you're satisfied with that, then that's great. But you know, yeah. I bet you, as soon as he got home and he took that nice hot shower, got that hot meal, slept on that pillow in bed with his wife that next morning, he was like, God damn it. Why did I do that? Cause he was fiending to get back in the mountains, yep. man. Exactly. He's fiending. Yeah. You always want that W. Mm -hmm. So, so then with the, just kind of trying to push us along here on, on topics. Cause that's one of those things that that'll, that'll get you. Um, it's, it's extremely rewarding. You got to put in the effort. You got to get after it. Um, and it's, it's hard, but, but again, it's, it's worth it. If you find out any, and you know, I haven't met an elk hunter who's like, yeah, I went once and fuck that. I'm not going again. Like almost everybody's like, I'm going to go back. I just got to figure out when and how and how I can pay for it. Um, so with, um, with that, with that being said, so assuming somebody has over the counter planned out or they have, they've applied for a couple points. The one thing I want to mention about points is, is I've had a lot of conversations on this and, and, I'm going to Tyler, you tell it, you share your thoughts first before I give mine, but would you, if you, if you were somebody coming from Michigan or Wisconsin, wherever, would you rather save up three, four, five points and then try to get into a pretty good unit? 
before your first hunt or would you just go on an over the counter and give it a give it a whirl the first time what would you do this is easy for me um just because I've, I've been out there and I've been immersed in it and I've seen stuff happen and I know how lost I specifically would have been if I would have tried to go over the counter or DIY by myself without any help or a friend. And if you can afford it, go through an outfitter for your first time. You can cut that learning curve in half if you can afford it because so it's, not, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not easy. And that looks like basically you're gonna have to get an outfitters tag. And there's so many outfitters, everybody will tell you a little bit something different. Um, but if you can draw, go through an outfitter or hit somebody up that you know who lives in that specific state that can help you cut that learning curve. There's no shame in the game, man. You're elk hunting at the end of the day. It, there's no guarantees in, in anything. I know guys who have done outfitters in Colorado and had guides and still didn't kill there's no guarantees like there's no layups in the mountains but it'll just help you tremendously so the next year or two years after that you have already acquired so much knowledge that maybe you can go do that diy over the counter or maybe you can get that good permit to um to have a chance at a bigger bowl but you just got to get out there and whatever that looks like get as much help as you can man It'll cut yeah. that curve in half for you. That's a great, great point. Um, that's something I told myself after the first year, after the second year, after the third year, and then the fourth year I killed and I didn't tell myself that again. But yep. the fourth year I went with three guys. I went in Colorado and I went with three guys who live in Colorado and have hunted the unit for four years. That's what you so need. They knew they knew what was going on. They knew, and and the cool part about them, and I, and I'm going with them again this year. But the cool part about them is, and I really respect this, is they said you can come share camp with us. I'm not sending you my waypoints, and I'm not telling you where to go. Like you got to figure it out. And maybe on Tuesday you can come with me, and we'll go hunt a spot that I like. But on the day to day, like you got to be like ready for you. And I'm like totally cool. I respect yeah. that. I'll go wander my ass off in the woods. And he goes, and after I told him that like a week later or so, we were talking again about it. He goes, so like, good. Keep looking at those waypoints. Keep trying to figure out where you want to go. I will tell you, do not go to these four waypoints. Those suck. So don't go there. <laughs> I'll, I'll save you that wasted time, but I'm not going to like outline everything for you, which I greatly appreciated. And it, it is what ended up like leading to the four by four that I killed. I was with one of the guys who live in Colorado. We were in one of the areas that he liked to hunt and we worked up a mountain. He had shot a really nice bull the day, two days before, couldn't find it. He shot it like midday, looked for it that day, looked for it all the next day. And the third day he was like, ah, I can't go back there again. Like I've been there for 19 hours or whatever. So I'll come with you and we'll go to this spot. I think there's going to be elk in here too. And he ended up like, we got close. He was bugling in his bed. He's like, Hey, get up there. Um, I'm going to call this fucker to your feet and you better, you better double lung this bastard. And he did. And I did. So, and it all worked out. So, um, but he, uh, but that's what it, that's what it took. Otherwise, like that was like kind of my final straw. Otherwise exactly what you said, it cuts the learning curve so much. It's like, 
for a whitetail guy, it'd be like walking into a new piece of property that you've never hunted before. That's 800 acres and it's early season. And a lot of it's, you know, swamp and five foot tall untilled grass. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. Yep. Right. That's, that's pretty, you feel lost because you're just like wandering around. Are there elk here? Are there elk there? Am I calling too much? Am I calling too little? Am I in the wrong place at the wrong time? Like, and, and the biggest mistake that I feel like people have in their first couple of years is they don't hunt all day. They only hunt mornings and evenings like they would whitetail. And I think that's a, that's a huge mistake because in a way, like I killed that bull at like 1230. Um, and it, it's in a way it, like for a Midwest guy, it's kind of like turkeys, like in a sense of, I hate people. I know people hate that comparison, but at the same time, like you can hunt turkeys all day because they can spark up a gobble at any moment. And then you can get on them from that gobble very similar with with elk you can just be in the woods at noon sitting down taking a nap eating lunch and all of a sudden you hear a bugle rip and you're like oh shit we're in them let's do this you yeah, know exactly so that's 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 i think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes but um yeah i back to the original question 100 agree of like if you can afford an outfitter do it let's say you can't afford an outfitter what would you do then Tyler, would you go OTC or would you save points and then do DIY on a point point hunt? At the end of the day, man, you got to get out there. You got to get out there. Um, so I would go over the counter all day and, and just figure it out. You have to get in the mountains. You have to scout. You have to have elk encounters in, in order to learn. You're going to fuck up a ton. And yeah. that's good. That's expected. You need to have those experiences. Yeah. You want to wait three years because there's bigger bulls in a specific permit style unit. Okay. But you still don't know anything. You've still never been in the mountains and chased elk or even tried to find elk. Um, so you need to get your feet wet somehow, some way. And if you want to do over the counter DIY by all means, hell yeah go for it, man. You've got to get your feet wet somehow, some way. Right. You just, I, you just gotta, yeah. you just gotta go for it. I wholeheartedly agree. Had a conversation with one of my buddies this year and I, because I'm going with these three guys who live in Colorado, I do not have rights to invite anybody else to this camp. Right. That's, that's the rule is you can't invite anybody else here. So I have a buddy who hit me up and I'm like, dude, I can't, but I, I will go with you in two years. Cause I go every other year, but I would highly encourage you to go this year. Even if it's like by yourself or you just bring a buddy or you bring your wife and she just sits at camp all day. Don't care. Get out there. He's like, well, I don't know if I really want to do that. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I just kind of want to go hunt with buddies, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, dude, if, if we're out there and we're spending 800 bucks on a tag and currently a thousand dollars in gas, like I'm not interested in like going with you for your first time to just follow me around. Like let's go together on equal playing that we're both going to put a hundred percent effort in. And if you can get out there this year, just to figure out like, Oh, these boots suck. Oh, I don't need to pack this. I overpacked my bag. I, I, sh I'm shooting, you know, too heavy of arrows. I'm shooting too light of arrows. I'm, 
you know, I have way too much shit. I have not, I don't have enough shit. The camo I bought sucks. The camo I bought is great. Like just figure out your system so that when we do go, you're like, oh, actually I do need to learn how to bugle better. My bugles suck. Or I do need to buy a cow call. Cause I was hearing cow calls and my bugles weren't working. And that's like something that's super overlooked. Like, just kind of like, you have to give it a shot. So like my, yeah, I guess my point there would be do over the counter once or twice while you're saving up for those points. That way, when you do get that pointed unit, you have some experience and and maybe you don't do a guide. Maybe you do do DIY with a friend or something like that, but you're not like totally like, yeah, just tell me what to do. Tell me where to stand. Tell me when to draw my bow. Tell me when to shoot. Like you're not, you know, incapable, I guess. No, that, that's all 100% true because those three years you're waiting for that good tag. You could already had a year or two under your belt where you've already learned the basics, man. Like, yeah. again, with equipment and or just simple things. Like, he, probably a good majority of your listeners have never heard a bugle in person. I would almost, I would almost guarantee at least 50% of your listeners have never heard a bugle. Yeah. And let alone trying to identify an actual elk bugle from some dickhead that's 400 yards away, just nailing on his bugle tube. That's a- I, w- I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known last year, mm-hmm. but you, you don't know until you go like YouTube, Instagram, all this shit can, it, it looks real pretty man, but you, you have to go experience those things and whatever that looks like. Um, it, it's a curve it's a curve and you have to go through it there's no there's no luck involved it's you, you're gonna have to mess up a lot um but the only way to do that is is to find find that way to get out there and experience it so what would you say what would you say were some of your like biggest mess ups in the beginning like your first time out like what would you say like you really screwed up on that you'd like people to learn from so i'll tell you this so last year i was non-resident um, which was the best thing that could have happened to me. I never drew that tag. So I had to wait six months, but I was a part of a lot of elk hunting last year. I was the cameraman slash uh, videographer. So we were into a lot of elk. We were into not so much elk as well. Um, one thing that I would say that is so huge is before you even get that tag, before you even apply for that tag, before you make the trip, set firm expectations of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. That could be as simple as I just want to see an elk. Great. That's excellent. I just want to get inside that elk's bubble at a hundred yards and hear a bugle. Great. That's excellent. I just want to call a bull in. Great. I just want to shoot a, shoot the first cow you see. Excellent. Or I want to shoot a slammer bull. Great. Everybody's expectations are different, but make sure you have clear expectations with yourself along with your hunting partner. Um, last year we had a mess up where we didn't really have expectations. We, we really wanted to kill a, an elk. Um, and we, we saw this bull running down this hill and we knew exactly where he was going. Um, so we bombed it down the mountain and a cow comes in and 
a friend of mine launched an arrow, missed, but that bull was five seconds behind that cow. We never saw the cow before we saw the bull run down that mountain. So if my buddy would have had clear expectations as to what it was that he was looking for, because we ran down that coulee to go kill that bull, not to kill a cow, but he saw a cow and was like, oh crap, heck yeah, let's do this. When if he'd have waited 15, 20 more seconds, he would have had that, that big bull 25 yards broadside. That's originally why we went down that coulee. So that's just a short example. And that's not to call him out. Um, he was excited. I was sure as hell excited. That was my first ever time in the mountains. But if you, if we, if we would have had a little bit better expectations, like, Hey, there's huge bulls here. Let's kill a bull. That's the reason we went down in that coulee probably would have happened, but we weren't, he, he wasn't exactly sure on what his expectations were. Is it any elk? Is it a cow? Is it a small bull raghorn? What is it? So set those expectations that way, when you get put in those situations, say your max comfortability is 60 yard shot, you know, you're good from 60. I don't care how big he is. Don't launch it from 75. You, you, you right. need to establish what it is that you're there to do. Um, yeah. and, and that's just that. So to me, that is number one. Like I already have my expectations set out yeah. and I, they've been set for the past hell three months. Um, I know what I'm there to do. I know what I'm looking for. I know what my goals are and I'm not going to stray from those, uh, because if that opportunity does come, which it will, I'm going to know if, Hey, this is a go or no, nah, that, that wasn't in the playbook. Right. Clear expectation. Yeah. That's very, very good. That's a great point. Cause a, a lot of people go with a partner in those expectations. Like if you don't outline those with your, with your partner or your group ahead of time that you're going with, there can be some infighting in what's going on. Like, Oh dude, I have to waste half a day to pack out your fucking cow. Are you kidding me? You know, like that conversation can happen. Right. So yeah. like people and, and who is everybody going to pack out? Is it just certain people that are going to pack out? Is it just a team? like having that conversation? What happens if we kill one? What do we do? Yeah. How do we communicate? Who's, you know, dropping their hunt. One of the guys I hunted with, he killed one, came back. He said, shot a cow. Here's the coordinates. That's all he said. Okay. We, there were three of us at camp and we're like, and he, it was him by himself. Actually, he had a, he had his brother with him. And he goes, that's all he left. Shot a cow. Here's the coordinates. Um, so, and the guy was like slightly unreliable. So our question, my question was, is that where he shot the cow or is that where he found the cow? Cause I don't know the answer. And they're like, man. I don't know the answer either. And I'm like, okay, did he find the cow? Is it dead? Or is he blood trailing it for a mile? I don't know the answer to you guys. No. So we are like, okay. Well, we don't know what to do here. Like I'm not going on a seven mile wild goose chase for this guy at, you know, 5 PM to come out in the dark. So I'm trying to figure out what we're going to like. I'm asking the questions cause I don't want to do that. And, he, and the, the expectation was very well delivered on day one. When you shoot one, if you come back to camp and you want help, you need to say, bull is dead cow is dead here's the location left at this time 
expect to return at this time. Like that is, that was the very clear expectation. And he, all he wrote was shot a cow. Here's the coordinates. Doesn't do us any good. Right. Yeah. Pissing in the wind. Yep, exactly. So we, we waited, we were like, we're not going to do anything. If, if he found it, he'll come back. We were like, he was already like three to four hours into it anyway, when we, by the time we got back. So he ended up coming back. He's like, thanks for the help. You fuckers were like, well, where'd you find it? And he's like, well, it was probably like a quarter mile from those coordinates. And we're like, exactly. Yeah. Then you, then you guys are walking circles in the mountains, not knowing what the fuck's going on. Exactly. And he didn't have GPS service, nothing, but anyway, clear expectations. That's a great point. Anything, um, anything else like aside from, so expectations with your partner, with your group to that's again, a great point. Um, what about like, or what, I guess what else off the top of your head before I start asking questions? That's the biggest thing, man. Have it that. And real quick, back to that story. That's no knock on um, my hunting partner. We had discussed that after, and that was a huge learning experience for, for both of us. Just, you know, from now on, we know, and if we hunt together this year, we hunt together. If not, he's going to know that. And I'm going to know that that aspect of having expectations is huge. Um, But anyways, have multiple options. When I say options, I want you to, and if you're doing OTC or whatever, you're probably not going to have a chance to travel out West and actually put boots on the ground. Um, but you need to get on your maps. Um, I think you shouted out Onyx, uh, at the beginning of this, that is a great app. Um, their maps are amazing. You need to e-scout your natural born balls off. You need to have multiple pins. You need to have option a b c i'm talking all the way through z because if they're not at option a are you just gonna hope they come around be mobile be mobile go to option b go to option c don't put yourself in a position to be like man there is no elk here we are not finding them let me pull up my maps and let's try to find a place that looks good no don't do that do the homework do your due due diligence on the front end. Like right now you have a whole month left. That's enough time to get a few options. If you're making a trip, don't try to figure it out while you're sitting on a log, eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, because there's no elk where you're currently at. Have those, have those pins set and hit them. If they're not there, dude, go leave. If there's too much pressure there, there's hunters out the wazoo work around them. And if they're just messing up everything, go leave, be mobile, be mobile. That's the, we were, Oh my God. I don't know how many miles I put on my truck last year, brother, but it was a lot. We were from the East side of the West side up North. Like you should see my, the state of Montana, like how many pins I have in it. It's ridiculous. We, we were everywhere. Cause we were hunting general, man. And we were just bouncing all over the place. Yeah. The elk are where the elk are. And you got to find them. Yeah. I a hundred, hundred percent, like great point as well. Have your options, um, have multiple options available for you. Cause there are, I even had, uh, one of my buddies, he picked an over the counter unit that also had another over the counter unit next door to it. And him and his partner went and one of them bought the tag for one unit. And so they hunted that unit 
until they decided, okay, this is too hard. This is too easy. Do we want to go check out the other unit? So they went to check out the other unit. They found elk right away in the other unit. And then the other partner did not have a tag. He went into town, bought a tag, and then they hunted that unit. And the plan was we're going to hunt this unit until you kill or until we want to spend three, four days here. And then we'll go back to mine and give mine a my unit another day or two to try to get me a bull. So that was their initial expectation and plan with the options, right? That's what they're, that's what they were trying to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been many days where I've been out there. I usually go for nine days and for the first four or five days, I don't, I don't get into elk. Um, sometimes it happens on the first day. Other times it happens on the fifth day. Like, you just got to keep putting on the miles and keep getting after it and go from the bit. The other big thing is um, <clears throat> while we're on this point, the thing that I've learned is that like whitetail hunters are, are like destination hunters. Like they want to go from like the truck to a spot and sit at the spot, right? That's what they want to do. Um, and that's what I want to do. Cause then once you're in that spot, you're hanging out for, you know, an hour or two hours, maybe three hours and you're waiting that's not elk hunting elk hunting when you close the truck door and you take two steps away from your truck like you're hunting so like the whole the it's in my mind like what i do now is when i go out elk hunting i tell myself like here's the loop that i'm gonna try to do and i'm taking my bow for and i'm going for you know a four mile hike today and i'm gonna go really slow and I'm going to randomly bugle through this tube every now and then. And if I find another, a cool looking waterfall or something, I'm going to break off the trail and I'm going to go do that. Like you're not, yeah, you're, you're all every, every minute you're out there, you are hunting because even though you're on a road, they can cross the road. You see tracks in the road all the time. They can cross the road. They can bugle right off the road. My buddy killed his best bull 200 yards from the road and he heard him from the road. He got out of his, he got out of his car. He waited five minutes. He bugled. He bugled back in the dark. And in two hours, that bull was dead 200 yards from his car. Like it can happen. And that was in an over-the-counter unit. So it, it can happen like that. Odds are low, but it can. So you'd like you're you're always hunting when you're getting when you're walking around out there. Yeah. Set yourself up for success, man, because we all know bow hunting can change in the matter of 10 seconds. And, you know, you should hunt all day. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, we did, but even when we would like, we'd pack a lunch or hit the jet boil or something, get up high, try to get to a glassing point. You can glass while you eat. Don't go down in the gully under a little shade tree and just like vibe out. Like glassing is a huge, huge part of elk hunting, man. Um, so that's how you, that's how you locate them. If they're not talking, um, they might be, you know, three miles away, but just set yourself up for the, the most opportunities that, that you can. Yeah, that true, true right there, man. Um, so then what about, what about gear? Like, was there any gear that you were like, wow, that I did not need to have this or were there's any gear where you were like, I'm so happy I spent extra money on this. Yeah. I'll tell you what, what for sure you, you need. And in my opinion, the most important thing is you need a good pair of boots. Um, it starts from the ground up out there and you're going to be a professional hiker. You're, you're going to, you're going to put miles on if you, if you do it the right way. 
And if you don't get a good pair of boots, you're going to spend three, 400 bucks. Um, but you need to get them period. Cause once your feet go, it's really not a fun trip after that. You get too many hot spots or too many blisters. Um, unless you got salty britches, subtle plug to salty britches, um, you're going to be, you know, in a world of hurt and don't break those bitches out of the box. Um, you know, when you park your truck to hike up the mountain, break them in, please. Yeah. Go on some, go on some hikes, wear them to work, do some, like break your boots in, make sure your equipment squared away. Mm. That's, that's huge, man. And then, uh, good, good, uh, good piece of glass. Um, leave your bullshit little 10 by 42 vortex crossfires in the, uh, in the whitetail woods. Cause those ain't going to do you a whole lot. Trust me. I, uh, got made fun of all last year for having those. And finally, I was like, okay, uh, I should probably make an investment here and, um, makes a world of difference. Glass is huge just because there's so much country. Um, yeah. And honestly, you can forget pretty much everything you've ever learned about whitetail hunting. If you're going to try to come hunt elk, just forget it all. It's just a totally different ball game. And that's no knock, man. Whitetail hunting is like my favorite thing ever. Well, in a, in a past life now I could really <laughs> care too much about it, but, um, it's just a whole different style of hunting, man. It's just a whole different style of hunting. Um, I got another thing on the list here bring your, bring your baby wipes, fellas. Uh, it can get, it can get, uh, pretty dicey out there. Make sure you're, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, emergencies do happen. Don't bring toilet paper, baby wipes or, uh, where it's at. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm dead serious because you're going to, you're going to take them out of your pack quite often, depending on, uh, how those freeze dries, freeze dried meals sit with you. But, um, yeah, bring, bring those hundred percent. I, uh, definitely, definitely agree with the baby wipe stuff, man. That is, that's something people want to joke about, but no, it's dead serious. I'm dead serious. <laughs> it's funny, but I'm dead serious. I can't, I can't go scout. I can't do anything, man. Cause <laughs> nature calls son. You should better be ready and take care of yourself. Right? And I don't know what it is about the elk woods, but it's just your, your, your shit is not normal ever. It's, it's never, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, um, quite, quite enjoyable though. If you find a nice spot to do your thing, but <laughs> yep. um, boots is great point. Great, great idea there. Um, good, good, good quality glass. So, um, on the glass side, like, so what did you, without your 10 by 42s, what did you go buy? Did you buy loopholes? Did you upgrade vortex? Did you go with, bushing? I wouldn't bought, I wouldn't. I, I just simply can't justify spending a thousand dollars for a pair of binoculars or anything more than that. Um, yeah. and, or a spotter. I just went and got some Maven 12 by fifties. They okay. were like five They're like the C class, but yep. they are, they're a huge upgrade for me. Yeah. Um, and cool. they, they made a world of difference. I broke them out at tack, uh, this past weekend and, um, yeah, they were, they were great. So you can get into a good pair for under a grand if you can afford that definitely definitely look into it because ain't no sense of being out there man if you can't identify what it is you're looking at yeah uh yeah great point um and i didn't for the first couple years i didn't bring my i brought my binos the first year right away because it's what you do you like get your chest harness and you put your binos on and then the cover we were hunting these areas that were just so thick that it just like didn't it didn't pertain and then over the years we like 
as you move around certain days, certain spots lend themselves to glass. And if you have it, it's much better to have it and not need it than not have it and want it. Right. So, yeah. And I, uh, I, I went, I would, the first year I just had some crummy, crummy little pair that I've had for, I don't know, ever. I think it was a pair of Bushnells. Um, And then I did go and get, I don't know what I bought, but I bought a pair of Vortex and they were like five, $600. And for me, Wisconsin Vortex is 30 minutes from my house and their, um, their unconditional warranties, what I went with, which is what I believe Maven has as well. But yeah, just, I wanted to support the local company. So, so that's what I went with. I know like uh, Zeiss, Suaro, um, those are your, like your top ends, right? That's really what you're looking at. If you're wanting to spend two grand on a pair of binos. And if you, if you're in that category, this podcast ain't for you. Cause I got no, <laughs> I got nothing, nothing for you there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what about, what is salty britches? Oh, it's an anti-chafing ointment. It's the bomb, like the ultra dudes. Uh, all the ultra dudes wear it. Like I watched guys run 130 miles a couple months ago and they didn't have so much as a strawberry on their thighs, on their feet. Um, it comes in a tube. It's basically an ointment. You just put about a pinky nail size, uh, amount on your hand and rub it on any place that you would chafe, um, inside of your thighs. Uh, you can also use your imagination where else you'd put it. Yeah. Um, put it on your feet, your toes, your heels, apply it once before you go out and you're good, man. You, you are good. I run every day. It's been a hundred here for the, like the past three weeks and I'm a chafer to begin with. I just always have been, and I run in short shorts and I put that stuff on, man. And I got no issues whatsoever. Nice. All right. I'm going to have to get, that's a new one for me. Good. Yeah. I got a code for you too, man. All right. Sweet. I will hit that up. So, um, what about camo? Like everybody wants to spend all their money on Kuyu, First Light, Sidka. What about that stuff? Like, what do you, do you think it's worth it? Do you think it's not worth it? Just like, you know, like we see guys like Jake Bush. I think he shot like his biggest buck ever in a pair of Walmart camo pants. Like I'm a big, I like Sitka. People don't, um, but I'm a big solids guy. So I'll wear like a solid pant, like a brown or green solid pant. And then I'll mix my tops up. I have a ton of different tops. It's camo tops. Um, but that's, that's all I do, man. That's sick. It fits me well. Um, it's local here in Montana. So I like, I like that aspect of it, but everything out right now is so good. It's just expensive. Um, and just find something that you like. You don't need the best stuff. Um, buy it used and, and see what, see what, yeah, see what you like. Um, but I, I'm primarily a sick guy. That's kind of my jam, but you don't need it. You don't need it to kill. Um, but if you can afford it and want to look good and feel good, you know, I, I kind of always, I kind of always been like, look good, feel good, play good. And I'm not, it's not a fucking yeah. fashion show out there, man. But like, I got a nice top on with a mask and stuff and good pair of boots and some solid pants. I'm good. That's all I need. Peanut butter and jelly in the bag. And I'm good with it, man. Let's, let's go hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. So the things that the two things that I would, that I would highly suggest anybody get 
is a top and bottom base layer of merino wool. Yes. Like whatever brand you buy that from, I don't care. Yep. But those two pieces, there it's like 80 bucks or a hundred dollars for for a piece. So you're spending yep. 160 bucks on a top and a bottom, but for like if you are the guy who wears a t-shirt under your camo jacket to go into the woods, this shit is going to change your life. Like if you're going out West, cause this stuff, like it, it wicks sweat, like none other way better than any under armor product you've ever put on. So it wicks sweat extremely well. It it's got, it's like magic. It, it, it keeps you cool when it's hot out and keeps you warm when it's cool out. It's ridiculous. But like, when I go out, I wear a bottom base layer plus a solid pant. Like I wear the first light, like sawtooth brush pan or whatever it is. It's like, it's not even, it's a, like an upland bird pant, but I love that thing. Cause it's got the, the thick knees and thick shins and everything on it. So you can walk through brush and you never get poked or anything like that. So I like that. And then for the top, I literally wear a Merino uh, t-shirt plus a, merino like um hoodie and that's it like that's what i'm wearing almost all all the time and then i'll throw like i have a soft shell first light jacket that i have in my pack and if i get cold i throw that thing on but for the most part like you're looking at in september if that's when you're going you're looking at days that like in the mornings they're like a cold a cold mornings like 45 40 and it'll roll up to like 70 in the afternoon so like you know, if you're looking at the only, the only thing you want to potentially keep in mind is like rain gear in so, case, like you get, you get these weird ass random storms out there. <laughs> no, that, um, that's huge. I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And it's right. an easy, it's an easy investment, man. It's if you do need certain things and that that'll play a big part in keeping you comfortable, keeping you dry. Um, so yeah, for a hundred bucks, you can get a top and a bottom and be good. Yeah. And I wear that all the time in the whitetail woods too. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the things that I spent all this money to go out Western hunting eight years ago when I first started. And now like, I don't wear, I, that's all I wear. I'm like, I spent all this money. I'm going to wear it in the whitetail woods. And it's just as comfortable in the whitetail woods as it is in the, in the, um, in the elk woods. The only thing I do have is like Wisconsin winters. Like I bought extra real thick, you know, systems for when it's five degrees out and I'm just sitting there for three hours, like that stuff, it's not going to work. You need to buy extra for that. So that's, that's where like the white tail lines come in the white tail line from Sitka, the white tail line from first light. I don't think Kuyu has a white tail line, but that's, that's where those, those come into play um, where you need that real thick insulation stuff. Um, What about a backpack? Does, does a backpack matter a ton? Does it not like, what have you noticed there? I think it does. Yeah. You got to have a good pack. There's so many of them out there. I run a mystery ranch sawtooth. Okay. Um, it's a great bag packs, a lot of meat. I can live out of it depending on how I pack three to four days. And that's also with my food in there too. Um, but yeah, like you're going to have to get something unless you're hunting with mules. Um, you're gonna have to put some meat on your back. So you need something with a meat shelf. And I got that pack last year and it did great. Um, real nice pack, expensive, but Western hunting is not cheap. Like the necessities aren't cheap. The boots aren't cheap. The glass ain't cheap. The backpacks aren't cheap. You need a good knife. Those aren't cheap. Um, there's certain things that you do need that is 
going to cost you a little bit of money, but once you have it, you can really, you can get your money's worth out of it. Yeah. So I would say a pack is definitely important, man. Yeah. I I think like you can, you can justify the purchase of this high end equipment for out West and then just, well, I bought it all. So I'm going to use it all for whitetail hunting now too. <laughs> and now it's just all in the way till woods with you you can like right you totally you totally can because you don't need yeah you don't need a you know a 300 backpack to go walk 300 yards into the whitetail woods and sit down but it's nice to have and especially if you're going out west then you might be able to justify it right yeah, to yourself you, or maybe to your wife or girlfriend if, whatever if you if you got it man use it that's one of my biggest pet peeves is especially people that have really nice things like geek, like really nice bows or really nice um, camo boots, whatever it might be trucks. That's all great, but utilize it. All of this shit yeah. is a tool. I couldn't tell you how many times my fucking brand new V three X this year model bow was just thrown in the dirt at tack this weekend. It's a tool, <laughs> man. Like it's a tool. That's what these things are built for. Go get blood on your pack. Like that's yeah. what we're here for. Go doll your Montana knife company knife. They'll sharpen it for free. Like right. use this shit. You're buying it not to look cool to utilizing it and for it to help you. So use your gear, man, and test it beforehand. Get out and make yeah. sure this shit works. Make sure it works. Make sure those boots are comfortable. How tight you need to tie them. Um, you guys got to use this stuff. You're spending all this money. Um, don't worry. You can, you can throw it in the washer. Yeah. Um, next point, like I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to tell, tell everybody darn tough socks, like a good pair of fucking socks. Well, yep. with the boot combo, don't wear your Costco special $20 pairs, cotton socks. Not a good idea. You'll be yep. changing four of those a day. Yep. You got good boots, those socks and some salty britches. Son, you don't even need to take your boots off the whole trip. You will be golden, right? No issues. Yeah. And if you take them off, like the smell alone is going to scare all the elk out of the woods. So just leave them on. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> right. It's like the one thing I put outside my tent or outside the truck. I'm like, put these outside. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if they're cold. I will warm them up in the morning. That's fine. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, man. Anything, anything else you could, um, you could throw advice to for, for somebody heading out West for the first time this fall, or, or maybe it's their second or third time and they're there. They struggled the first time. Don't be afraid to ask questions, man. Like that's how you're going to learn. Not only experience it, you got to get out in the mountains. You got to experience things for yourself, but don't be afraid to ask questions. I'm sure you would be more than happy to answer a DM you know, I, I run a podcast yeah. and that's tailored to the current or aspiring Western hunter. Fuck. you got more time in the Elk woods than I do, dude. Like, honestly, I got one season under my belt. Um, but I'd be more than happy to, yeah, man, I'd be more than happy to give you, um, you know, I'm not certified in a lot of the shit I talk about, but I'm qualified <laughs> in most of it. Um, but I'd be more than happy to give you my two cents and ask questions, but hold yourself accountable. Don't ask the same question twice. If it's important to you, retain the information and then go apply it. Um, go apply that information and just have fun, man. Like that's the biggest thing. Don't get homesick because you're gonna, 
Mm-hmm. You're going to get homesick. The mountains are lonely. Um, you will feel incredibly small out there. Um, shit, I got homesick a lot, but hell, you'll be home in a few days. Um, and just keep at it. It's a marathon, man. It's a marathon. It, it's not all what YouTube and IG shows you. It ain't a bugle fest 24 seven. Um, it's, you're going to put miles on and you're going to become a professional hiker, man. I've got 32, 32 days in the elk woods. I've had a bugle fest one time and really? it was for 15 minutes. And then that was like 15 minutes. Then we blew them out because the winds kind of shifted. We were in this like odd bottom terrain, side hill, mountain, whatever it was. And wind shifted and it and it was all done. But like, let me yeah, tell you, were, where does that 15 minutes rank in your hunting experience overall throughout oh, your entire dude, life? I'll never forget it. Like we went in there afterwards. There was literally like fresh jizz all over the ground. I was yep. like, they were here. <laughs> yep. I had a buddy tell me when he knew I, he found out I was moving to Montana. He goes, man, guy, I'll tell you this and you won't believe me until you get out there and experience it. But if I was given the ultimatum of you can hunt elk for seven days a year, but you can never hunt whitetail again in your entire life. And he lives in Nashville and he's like, I would hunt elk for a week out of the year and never hunt white. I'm like, dude, you are bullshitting. He's like, I (laughs) swear to God, man. He's like, when you get into them, it is one of the most gnarly things you'll ever experience. And I side with him. I side with a man and I've never even had a bow in my hand out there. I'm the camera guy. It's wild. It's wild. wild. I, I, I have no, I don't have an opinion. I'm very, I would side with the no to that. Maybe like if you said 14 days for elk, I'd consider it because you like just get into them on day five. (laughs) But that goes back to the outfitter, son. You gotta, you gotta get that good zone. Yeah, exactly. But I would certainly agree. It is a wild experience. Like if you, if you find yourself right place, right time, right wind, right scenario, like it's, um, it's unbelievable. Like the, I mean, just that big of an animal, animal screaming at you, you know, I have a hard time even remembering like the whole process of my, of the kill that I did have, because like, I was like in my head, I was like, don't fuck up, focus on the bull, focus on the spot where you want to kill him, and just execute. So like, I was looking at this big patch of pine. We were on a, we were on a, a hillside and the whole hillside we were on was, was Aspen's. And, uh, and we were like 20 to 30 yards from the peak of, of this ridge line, And there is a huge trail right on the top of the ridge line. So, and, and it's an elk trail, not a elk trail, deal trail, game trail. It's not a, not a human trail. And, uh, and we're on the edge of a dark, dark pine thicket, like real thick, dark woods up ahead of us. I'm like 20 to 30 yards off that. And my buddy is like 30 to 40 yards behind me calling. And he's like, Hey, he's in the dark timber. He's going to come out of the dark timber and he's going to try to go up to the top of the ridge and get your wind. He's going to try to get up around you, get your wind. Don't let him do that. When he comes out of the dark timber, be able to kill him. So like I set up. Yeah, I got up there. I set up and, uh, and as soon as, as soon as like I was sitting there waiting and I could hear him bugling, I could hear him bugling. I was just freaking the fuck out. And he came out 
And I was like, I just looked at it. And I was like, yep, legal. And that was it. And I drew my bow and I just waited and I just like put the pin, I put the pin on his vitals and I just sat there and pulled the trigger. And that's like, that's all there was to it. Like it was just this wild and it lasted like maybe eight, nine minutes from the time that we struck him up the first time to the time we killed him. And he bugled all this time in between and all this. And there was another one down the hill bugling at him too. And it wasn't a hunter because he was still bugling after we killed him. And we tried to get on him because my buddy still had a tag too. So is this, this like whole scenario. And then while we were sitting there high-fiving, cause we killed this two cows came running in and it was just this like ridiculous. My buddy's sitting there puffing on his vape and he's like, <laughs> don't move, don't move, man. Don't move. And he's like trying to grab his bow. And these cows are standing like 20 yards from us while we're sitting there, like, talking shit i'm eating an uncrustable he's puffing on his vape and we're like fuck what's happening you know so anyway it's just this, this wild experience but you just you don't get that you don't you don't get that in the whitetail woods it's a just a, a different it's a different hunt it's a different feeling when you hear those leaves crunching and you've been there for five hours and it's like and here comes the buck that you have on camera and, and all, all the history and all that shit that comes rolling through or whatever. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a totally, a totally different feeling. And, and it's, uh, it's, it is just like, um, something that 99% of people in this world will never experience. Yeah. You have to, if you can, if you can somehow make it mm -hmm. happen, make it happen, man. Yeah. Make it, make it happen. <sighs> All right, Tyler. Well, I, I certainly agree with a lot of things you said tonight and, um, and I, I appreciate you popping on the podcast. The biggest thing that, that, that struck me is like, if you can go with a guide, if you can save up the cash, what does a guide run? Like five grand, five to eight, somewhere in that range, depending I on where you're going. If I had to guess, that's probably what I'd have said five to seven or eight. Yep. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it, does that include a tag or no? Great question. Great question. Because a I lot think it of it depends play. on the outfitter and where they're hunting. It hunt. does. It yeah. does. And um, even if you want to play dumb, call an outfitter up, just pick their brain, act like you're a customer. There ain't no rules of this shit. Um, right. but they'll 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 help you out a lot. Mm -hmm. And they'll sniff it out. Like their job, that outfitter's job, like don't feel like you're being bad. That outfitter's job is to sniff out like are you a real customer are you not yeah. and they're only going to give you enough information and they're going to try to sell you right 100%. at the same time so 100%. like that's their job they want you to call them because then it's then it's in the balls in their court and if they fuck up and they can't sell you that's their problem not yours 100% so so yeah give them give them a ring talk to them about the the area the unit what you're up to first time fifth time third time your success like all that kind of stuff, your fitness levels, talk to them about that stuff, see what they say, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and maybe it might turn out that, okay, this is a good fit. I'll go with you next year. This isn't a good fit. Like you seem like a dick. Like, I don't want to talk to you again. Like that can certainly happen too. Um, so there's, there's all sorts of ways it can go, but yeah, I, I'd sir, I agree. Like if you can find the cash there, you can save the cash. Cause the tag itself, like Montana, 1200 bucks, you know, it's not a, it's not a massive stretch to go to six grand. Um, especially if, if that includes the tag as well. 
So, cause sometimes if it's private land and they have an, a private land owner tag, like an owner tag, they can sell that tag to you at any cost. They really feel like they just package right. it with their outfitter costs. They go, Hey, it's seven grand. That includes your tag, includes your lodging, includes your food, includes, you know, some sort of guided hunt, whatever for seven days. So okay. like that's, that's certainly possible. Um, there's all different types of, I mean, just cause you're going elk hunting, there's a, a whole different structure to it. I mean, you might come back to base camp every night, drink beer and eat T-bone steaks, or you might, I got a buddy who used to guide on the West side of the state where he would ride people in a marathon's worth of miles <laughs> into the back country, park the horses, and then hike another five miles, then start hunting and you're sleeping in tents and this, that, and the other. So there's different strokes for different folks. Um, just got to find out what works for you at the end of the day, get out into the mountains and experience the beauty of the West, man. It's bar none. Perfect. All right. And with that, we will wrap this up. So Tyler, if people want to find you, they want to listen to your podcast. They want to ask you about running. They ask, want to ask you about chafing. They want to ask you about <laughs> all whatever random shit that they got coming along. Where, where's the best place to find them? Find yeah, I, pre I appreciate that. Um, my podcast is Montana Knox podcast. That is the IG handle. My personal page is underscore guide. That's G E I G underscore. Um, if you hit the pod, you'll see my personal, but yeah, man, um, Western hunting and a lot of life talk to my podcast is more than just hunting. It's a little bit of everything. Get some cool guests on here, just like you do. And, um, hit you with a guest spot on my show down the road, 100%. And I appreciate this, man. That's, um, I don't do a whole lot of podcasts anymore because I kind of have my own. Um, but it is fun to come on here and talk shop with um, yeah. somebody like you. And I consider you will stay in touch hundred percent and you got a great show, man. A lot of fire guests have been on your thing and um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. So this was, was really cool. And I actually might listen to this one back to be honest with you. I feel, <laughs> I feel like we had some good, some good convo for those uh, listening. We were saying how we don't really listen to our episodes back or especially if we're a guest, just because we host shows. So we're, kind of used to this um but i might i might hit this one back on a, on a run this uh next week so no man i had a lot of fun yeah there's uh there's certain podcasts so like professional athletes watch film to get better yes i like so i've i like send snapchats out to my buddies sometimes i'm like you guys gotta listen to this podcast and it's my podcast on my truck radio and they're like wow what a loser you're listening to your own podcast like how arrogant can you be and no, i'm like you're no, grading like, yourself yeah like i'm like i've you know and that's my buddy's just ribbing me right Talk, talking course. shit but i'm of like course. actually because there's been plenty of times where i like i listen to what the guest is saying and then and in in my head i'm going oh this is going to be my next question that i'm going to ask them based on what they're saying and i don't go that route and i go somewhere else i'm like shit i should have yeah. asked i missed the opportunity to ask a great question that would have transitioned really well into this other topic that yeah. we to cover and so it's 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 fun to i only list i would say like one out of every i don't know 10 i post i i re-listen to because likewise nowadays man i'm working from home and, and I don't drive often, so I right. don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I listen to podcasts when I drive to our hunting, my hunting ground, um, our private ground, 
which is an hour and a half away. And I go there once every two to three weeks. So, you know, I get a podcast in once every two to three weeks, you know? So it's, it's hard to figure out like, which one do I want to listen to? And I'm on a, I'm lately, I'm on like more or less like Joe Rogan, interesting people. I'm currently in the Andrew Schultz podcast. Andrew Schultz is, I find him hilarious. He is, he is, he is funny as hell. Yeah. So I'm like on, on that one, but, uh, but yeah, man, good, good. Hit this on our, hit this on a run, listen to yourself, see what, see what it sounds like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, go check out Montana Knox. I will link all this stuff down below uh, in the description on the podcast. All the links will be here for everything. Um, and just as I like a, a flat out, like shout out, like your podcast thumbnails, I really enjoy Like those are, you did a great job on the creativity on those. That's all. I'll, I'll, I'll tell my wife you uh, like them because she does all that fancy shit. So and I'm not oh, a computer guy. Yeah, she did a great job on that. Like, I'm, I'm jealous. Like, I'm like, all right, how do I revamp mine, but not steal this, but do something <laughs> like this? Um, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you bet. You bet. So, yeah, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the time. If you enjoyed the podcast, like, subscribe. Um, this is going to roll out in, in early August. Um, and again, just for everybody listening, uh, a few good things in the works here. Um um, for whatever reason, my website's been down for the last few months, actually not for whatever reasons I forgot to pay and I wasn't notified that I forgot to pay. So they pulled down my website. So I went to revamp my website. Um, got a, I got a brand new website coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Plus I'm going to have a shop. Plus my wife is going to design some t-shirts and some sweatshirts and stuff like that for us. So going to have a shop rolling out. Um, so you guys can grab some t-shirts, some hats, hoodies, whatever. Um, and the last thing is we will have, uh, the whitetail, uh, the whitetail series coming out here starting in early September. So what that's going to be is two podcasts a week and they're going to be released two weeks or so ahead of the time frame that you're hunting. So essentially if you want to hunt the pre-rut, like I would consider that October 15th, we're going to start releasing pre-rut episodes on October 1st so that you can listen to those episodes and then apply those tactics, you know, two weeks, two weeks ahead of time into the future when the pre-rut like kind of kicks off or whatever. And same with the rut, we'll be releasing those October 20th or so, so that you have tactics to apply November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, whatever you think the rut is. So just want to give everyone the heads up that is all coming. Um, and again, if you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, share with a friend. And uh, if you do have the opportunity to check out Venado, Vector Custom Shops, or Onyx Maps, and you're in the market for those apps, please consider them when you're taking a look at them. That's all we ask. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate your time. Have a great week. Catch you later.